Daily Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. A very good morning and warm welcome to Money Sense. I'm Simon Cordry, and I'm joined this morning in the studio by my co-host, Amy Hubble. Good, good morning. morning. How are you, Amy? I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. Today's show is going to be a conversation with the Cayman Islands Minister of Finance and Economic Development. And we're going to explore the current economic landscape of the Cayman Islands, learn a little bit about what's going on, and potentially get an insight into the budget process which is ongoing as we talk. Therefore, without further ado, it's my distinct pleasure to welcome the Honourable Minister McTaggart. Thank you very much to both of you. Pleasure once again to, to be here with you and to share with you uh, whatever information I can. Well, you, as you say, you have been on our show once before, so we obviously didn't ask tough enough questions. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll make up for it this time. We'll give you the uh, Paxman grilling. Yeah, the it? fact that you agreed to come back again <laughs> tells us that we weren't hard enough on you. I actually enjoy this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a temptation. You enjoy talking about economics. This is great news. Let's start off then with the state of Cayman's sure. economy, where we are. I mean, a lot of listeners, obviously, we, everyone lives in here in Cayman, or we do have some international listeners, but everyone wants to know what, what's going on in the Cayman economy. The statistics are dry, and it's difficult to interpret sure. those, they, they're, they're numbers, but what's your sense as to where we are as an economy then? Well, my sense is that the economic expansion and growth just continues to roll along. Um, and you look everywhere around you, you see, you know, development taking place and uh, you see and you hear of all the increased numbers in tourism uh, for you know financial services the numbers continue to be good uh, 2018 Simon was an extraordinary year for the country and for government's finances you know we saw revenue growth of somewhere in the region of 15 percent um, for 2019 we're seeing that moderate a bit because I knew that we couldn't repeat that kind of a number, that kind of a growth. Uh, Where was those strong. numbers coming from? Is it a one one hit kind of situation, or you just don't think that we can contribute a very, to a significant degree? You had the overall growth in the economy and and the the funding that that provides, but you had some very large transactions, real estate transactions last year, that contributed to the um, to the increase in the government's coffers. Mm-hmm. For example, the sale of the Westin and the. Um, and the, not comfort suites, the... Uh, Sunshine suites. Sunshine suites. Yes. Uh, that was the single largest real estate transaction in the country's history, at over, right? three, over, over 300 million. Wow. So, you know, there were some very large, uh, you know, real estate transactions that, that served to swell the, the government coffers. The other thing we have is, is that um, um, we, every, every year, you know, we... we are able to recognize certain revenue from uh, uh, from assets that government is able to claim from companies that have gone out of business and, and left, um, you know, funds behind. Yeah. They vested, yes, dormant yeah. companies, and you know, from the from there. So every year we get a bit of a boost yeah. uh, in those revenues from uh, from these sources. Well, that's, that's a good so public service announcement prayer, coming up here. If you do have a company and you don't want the government to get its hands on it, then make sure you pay your fees to the government. Absolutely. Last year, we benefited to tune of somewhat more than $30 million. $30 million. Yeah. This wow. year, the number drops right down to like three or four million. So it, you and know, those are it, just companies walking away saying, yeah, I... Not, not necessarily, but yes, um, in, certainly in their banking business and, and other types where they, you know, banks, if they remain dormant for so many years, then, you know, they... The banks are obliged to turn that money over to uh, to the government, and it becomes then the property of the financial secretary. And um, the other thing, uh, you know, we benefited too for from 
from some residual funds from the BCCI liquidation back, which well, completed many years back ago. Back in the 80s, wasn't it? Well, it, that's when it started, yeah. but you know, it, it, the liquidation wasn't <laughs> completed until about six or seven die. years yeah. ago. Yeah. And, uh, and so there were some residual assets there that, that, uh, that were paid into there. So we were, this last year, we were able to take that into government revenues. And if we look at government revenues, then the key ones, I suppose, come from what the financial services, tourism, Healthcare now increasingly, perhaps you're starting to see yeah. that contribute, uh, uh, you know, to, to creep up there. But yeah. it's still a very minor segment of mm-hmm. government revenues. Yes, for certainly financial services, uh, that alone contributes well over a hundred million dollars every year to our coffers. And then, what about the tourism market? Tourism sector, um, yes. At, although the percentages, I'm not so sure of. But year after year, and over the last three or four years, we've seen annual records. Uh, records being broken in terms of what's, what uh, what revenue is contributed. So, to so from your perspective, when you look at Cayman's economy, you're seeing all the dry, all the areas performing relatively okay. There isn't a single area that I can see, Simon, that is not performing and contributing in a positive way to government's revenues and to the overall growth of the economy. So, you know, the way I see it yeah. is that we're clicking on all cylinders. And I think when we had you in the studio last time, we talked about the fact that Cayman is a, in essence, it it doesn't always control its own destiny. We're not, from an economics perspective, a lot of what happens here is driven by what goes on elsewhere in the world. And so a lot of what you're talking about, the financial services doing well, tourism doing well, these are functions of the health of the US economy, the health of the European economy, the health of the Asian markets. Do you see any issues from your perspective on the horizon? What's your what's your view of whether we're, we're going to be seeing one of these recessions that people keep speculating about? Yes. Well, we're all pay, you know, painfully aware of, w- yeah. of what is being said and speculated on in international press. And yes, you know, more than 80% of our entire economy takes place with our neighbors to the north. So, you know, and it I always say anytime America sneezes, we catch a cold. Um, so I pay very close attention to what I see happening in the United States and and the economy there, and in in, in a you know in a way to try and uh, and see if I can identify you know what what's likely to transfer transpire. What you are seeing in North America right now, I think, is an economy that is moderating. It is slowing down. Um, GDP growth is now under, I think that's also like some of the first reads yeah. on it. That's like a 2%, yeah. 1.9%. So, you know, that's a lot. And it was in the slower. high threes at one it point. It was so, well over yeah, three. At yeah. one quarter, I think you actually had um, at 4%. There yeah. was a 4%. I'm not sure what the final read on it was. So you have a moderating U.S. economy. That tells me that we will start to moderate as well. And in a sense, you are starting to see some of that right now with the revenues not growing as fast as they are, although they are very growing at a very healthy rate still. It's not a repeat of 2018 where we were, you know, it was just sort of gangbusters. Mm-hmm. So I do watch the econo- U.S. economy um, very closely and what's happening there. You know, it, it is to a very much a consumer-driven economy. It's like two, two-thirds of their economy is, mm-hmm. is, is consumer-based as well. And, you know, consumer... Consumption is probably the last thing to go in in, in your economy. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, you basically are heading you're in a recession if you're not close to it. And I think it's also fair to say that even if tomorrow the U.S. entered a recession, that people will have already have made their plans for vacations down here in Cayman three six months ago. Yes. So Cayman's response to what happens in the U.S. is with a lag. So even if we see on the news the US is entering a recession or it's it's all going ter- terribly wrong 
we should be worried, rightly so, but we will have a little bit of time to begin preparation versus what they would see if you're living in the States, because you've got that lag of people visiting here, already running companies. So we've got a little bit of time to prepare should the worst happen, I suppose. Yeah, and, and that is correct. We, you know, we normally fo- focus on, on somewhere between six and 12 months, mm-hmm. with nine months being the average, you know, as to when we would expect to see any moderation or any contraction in the US start to filter in here. But I think we sort of, in, in my mind too, because of the robustness too of our construction sector, which, which too still continues to perform exceedingly well, we probably built in a bit of a resilience into our economy in that those, a lot of those uh, construction projects um, will you know, be in progress if we do so, sort of see the, the external factors influence. Mm-hmm. We do have some of our own internal factors that I think will tend to mitigate and to moderate any potential effect on Cayman. Well, and one of, the, one of the symptoms or side effects, perhaps side effects is a better word, of a robust and growing economy, which people suffer, is the rising level of inflation. The fact yes. that prices in the shops, I'm not going to pick on one supermarket, so Kirk's, Hurley's or Foster's, you yeah. go into the shops and price of a pint of milk or whatever it might be always seems to be going up. Uh, and that's that's something which costs people uh, in terms of their pocket. It's real money to people that's going out of the door how, how, how do we deal with that? Is that something we can deal with? Simon, there is very little. I mean, in fact, I don't have any tools in the chest mm. to deal with uh, inflation other than, you know, government taking a hammer to the whole thing and, and, you know, price controls. It's not an area I would ever want to go down. And, and the you reason could eliminate is, duty, I guess. Pardon? You could eliminate the duty on duty, yeah. Well, duty elimination. Hey, go on. <laughs> look, at, look at the custom, the, the import duty uh, schedules, and most food stuff, most most food stuffs are now duty free. Um, so that again, I don't even have that tool yeah, <laughs> anymore. So you know, if what I see now is that the U.S. economy, uh, U.S. inflation is starting to moderate as well. And that is coming down. And I think in time, you'll see that filter through. We had a real big spike last year, I think, in the summer. Um, inflation was, was running at an annual clip of about 4.6%. This most recent inflation numbers that we have for the first half of the year show it's running at about 3.4%. So we are seeing a, a, a moderation of it. Um, what surprises me about inflation appearing at this point, it's so late in the, um, in the yeah. economic cycle. It's, it's so untypical of, uh, of an economic cycle to have it appear at this point. Yeah, it's very odd, and it, it has a lot to do, I think, with, with the rest of the monetary situation of the rest of the world, and that the U.S. is able to somehow keep their, their rates, even drop rates, down and not create inflation, and that yeah. would usually not be the case in any way, except for the state that the rest of the world is in and the demand for dollars, and along with the, the continuation of very low oil and gas prices. Absolutely. Which we, yeah. don't, we don't suffer as much as quickly as, as the U.S. Does. Yes, that's true. Although lower lower fuel prices over time should help Cayman's inflation rate because, of course, one of the principal costs of shipping is yeah. the cost of fuel and things like that. So that's a really important figure to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, for the most recent consumer price index, some, uh, give, give, give you some of the headline numbers. Yeah. Um, should come as no surprise to you. <laughs> Rec- well, certainly the headline number this in this most recent report that will be released, Recreation and Culture, 
is up about 11.5%. But the second highest, again, housing and utilities here in Cayman. For the second time, it's over 10%. It's now 10.4%. It was like 11, 12% last, last, uh, last report. And how, so does that, still, yeah, how does that uh, compare in the past, I guess, decade? Um, well. You know, it's always been an issue when you have a strong economic expansion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the reason is too for us right now is, um, you know, we're a bit behind the curve in terms of where the demand is and where the supply is. And... What is driving this in a very big way for us, apart from the demand increasing, outstripping the supply, you have the double barrel in that a number of people who are in, who rent homes and condos and the rental market, people are taking them out of the local market and placing them into Airbnb yeah. because they get better returns. I mean, last year, in terms of accommodating of our visitors here in Cayman, about 65% of the, the increase last year in tourism was accommodated in Airbnb uh, facilities. So that whole area is has just exploded for us here in Cayman. Which is great for those who own the property, Absolutely. but not for those who are renters. And that's always... The- and, and they are coming in, in now, and, and you know, you hear some of the, the unheard of rentals yeah. that uh, are being demanded and people are having to pay. And we shouldn't forget, one of the things that I think a lot of people do struggle with is how expensive rent is. And one of the factors associated with that is the population here in Cayman has expanded dramatically. It's We're in the, what, mid-60s now, I think it is. Actually, I, th- I think the numbers are even higher than that. Right. Um, I, I think the numbers are quite more like around 68,000 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're growing at about 4 to 5% yeah. and in our population. Th- and if you think, if you bring in another 1,000 people, if another 1,000 people arrive in a year... It's as much as there is construction going on in Cayman, and as much as it seems as though every inch of this land is being built upon, there's not a thousand houses going up every year. They're, these these complexes are for a hundred, yeah. perhaps, and that's that's a lot of these things yeah. that you need to be building. But in we every do single have year. we do have several programs that are you know developments that are going on that I think will add if a, you know I think it's I, I can't say whether it's a thousand or what, but it's going to be many hundreds yeah. of. Uh, of uh, of accommodation, so there space could be some there could be some easing of pressure, perhaps on that over the next twelve to eighteen months. I think that there will be, Good. and as the economy continues to moderate as well, that, that you know things. the demand probably will not be as great, but it will still be there. Okay. So I mean, you know, we have that situation where you know de- demand just you'll see a, a trending of the lines yeah. between demand and supply, I think, over time. A, a bit of That's economics there. We're going to uh, take a short break and we'll come back and uh, continue our conversation with Minister McTaggart on the subject of Cayman Islands' economy. This is Money Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. Brought to you by the CFA Society Cayman Islands. And now, more Money Sense. Welcome back to Money Sense and our conversation with Minister Roy McTaggart on the subject of the Cayman Islands' economy and its economic outlook. Just before the break, we talked a little bit about the population, that's the surge in population that we've experienced. I think during the break, you got the statistics out, and it's 68,000 people yeah. that are here now living in Cayman. That's the estimate. Which seems uh, as though they're all on the bypass at the same time in the mornings and uh, <laughs> all certainly coming from East End. But you, you, we talked also about um, housing as to how we, how, we, how, we, how these people are actually going to live in Cayman and the cost that means in rent. And you were talking, Amy, I think you mentioned that there are some projects. Yeah, I'd read that there were some projects going on to kind of alleviate and uh, especially for uh, specifically 
Kemanians and, and how they will be able to, with some changes in the stamp duty law, as well as some infrastructure investment that the government's doing, start to alleviate some of those problems. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, what we could, uh, continue to see uh, within the planning department is that a number of private sector projects are continue to flow. The pipeline is healthy. In addition to that, um, government has some targeted programs in terms of low-cost housing that, you know, to target specific areas of the, the economic spectrum for us. And, you know, within East End right now, they're constructing some more homes. We still have a little bit of inventory available, but then we're also looking at some fairly significant development of these homes in the Georgetown area off the, uh, the Linford Pearson uh, Highway. We acquired this earlier this year we acquired about a 24 acres of land there to uh, which over time yeah, I, I, driving be, down there it feels like there's a, a different development on both sides yeah, all the no, way down. absolutely and it, it it's going to develop here very quickly mm-hmm. i mean it's opened uh, that road has the, the linford pearson highway has now opened up all of that land to the south um of the road uh to, to development. And remember, too, that uh, Enterprise City, yeah. they're planning an entire city between that, there and uh, the South Sound community. There's going to be hundreds of listeners listening to this who are going to be terrified by the number of extra cars that are going to be on that road every morning. <laughs> so be careful uh, what we wish for. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, the Grand Harbor situation is obviously an issue. Talk to us about kind of the priority for infrastructure there. Well, we are, we are developing and making changes as quickly as we can. But nothing that we do right now, I think is going to make the problem go away. All we can do is make it a little bit better. Um, there is no question that is the choke point for traffic coming from the east and trying to get getting yeah. it to town. Well, there's no way to go elsewhere. around it. It's the you only, only door to the east. Yeah, absolutely. The whole definition of a roundabout so, is you do go around it. There, there <laughs> but are you have in, to go sorry. around it. Yeah, it's your we, only option. Whether we go over it, around it, <laughs> right, or what, walk it, through it. It's amazing some of the things that they are. The uh, you know the ideas that are coming forward uh, for consideration, yeah. and every one of them I think merits yeah. has merit. Um, but I think you know it's part of the long term solution is we have to find a way to limit the number of cars coming into the country. Mm-hmm. We 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 can't you look at you know coming into work and going out every day. Um, all the cars and probably ninety five percent have those things have one person in yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Do you think import duty on cars is too low? You, you look um, at Singapore, Hong Kong. Well, it's, and it's not too yeah. low. I tried to bring my car and I forget, <laughs> forget about it. Many, you hear both sides of, of the <laughs> argument. I mean, you know, import duties just haven't been touched for probably the better part of 20, 30 years. Yeah. They've been in, in place like that. Um, but I think what we, we, we need to have is a more structured and a better public transport system sure. before you can actually look at doing any of these things to limit the numbers of cars that, that do come into the island. Um, but, you know, these, it's all, it to me, it's a very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And because we just simply cannot continue to build roads, build more and more roads. Uh, we've got to find other ways and means of, of, uh, of, of providing for We're talking for transportation. here about infrastructure, which yes. is, there's two sides to infrastructure. One is the, the inclination and willingness and capacity. And capacity leads to the ability to spend money on infrastructure. Yeah. And with the economy, you talked about how government revenues have been growing substantially. That, in a lot of people's minds, leads them to think, well, if revenue's going so well, why can't you spend the money? So talk us a little bit about the balance sheet of the government and sure. where, where things stand and why, wh- to what extent that is a hindrance or not. I, I don't see it. To me, it's not a hindrance okay. um, at all, Simon. What we are finding, yes, revenues are there 
and they support the government in being able to deal with and provide for all the infrastructure infrastructure projects that we have that are ongoing. But the beauty of it is we can do it without having to borrow. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something we have not always enjoyed, that privilege. So everything we are doing now, uh, you know, all the road expansion, uh, you know, the solid waste management system, um, you know, the, the mental health facility out in East End, it, the many hundreds of millions of dollars of projects that are, are, are we're trying to get going or have started that will all be financed out of government's recurrent revenues. Um, so that there is, to me, really is, is the answer to your question, is that we're doing it without borrowing. Well, let's talk about that. Sure. Because, I, and I was at the, the economic outlook thrown by the chamber, and I, I know somebody asked the question of why we don't just pay off the, the debt that we have, I think we have for the airport. Is that right? Well, the, you've got the airport, again, was done without borrowing a penny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had their own uh, reserves set aside, and government, uh, government, the central government put in another $15 million to it to really give them the ability to go out and do it without having to borrow. So it's a very conservative um, tactic, I guess, the government is taking, and definitely not... Uh, what the rest of the world is taking. And in a world where, you know, you have LIBOR, you have Prime, really at absolutely base floor prices, you have negative interest rates around the world. Why, in a situation where we do have growing revenues of over 15%, will we not look to pay for some of those infrastructure projects with money that is almost free? So so borrow more, you're saying? It never remains that way. (laughs) And... Your revenues just don't grow linearly forever. No, of course not. They they course contract, not. and you know that was the the situation we found ourselves in, in, in during the times of the Great Recession, um, where you know revenues fell off the cliff. We had uh, repayment obligations, and uh, you know that was one of the reasons we had to cons- re- consolidate debt in 20, 2009 and go and issue that three hundred to and twelve million dollar mm-hmm. bond that mm-hmm. matures at the end of the month. And again, in 2012, you know, the government of the day at that time had to institute some very significant money-raising, revenue-raising measures at what I would argue is the worst possible time when you were trying to generate economic activity and try to get development going again. Government was having to go and tax the people and take money out of the economy just to meet its bills. Um, You know, it to me... I'd, I'd, I would love to see this country completely without debt. If I had my way, <laughs> that would be the first order of priority because it frees a government and gives a government so much more flexibility to do the things that it, it would like to do without the specter of, of debt hanging over you. Yes, it's, it's cheap, but it, 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 has, it has its own knock-on effects. Well, let, let me ask you on that because I think it's, I, I'm going to say this slightly in jest, but it, it, it's, it, the sense I got almost there was, that were we to experience a downturn or a slowdown, if the government has a very low level of debt, in the past we had an experience like that and we had to borrow money at the wrong time or we had to borrow money and we had to raise revenue, which helped slow down the economy even further. It's like an extra tax on people's spending. Sure. That means that we could conceptually in a slowdown actually use debt to help reduce taxes on people, import duties and costs and such like. You have that flexibility, Simon. That's what that brings to the occasion. I thought when I was going to get a promise from the minister there to spend <laughs> <You> money. <laughs> uh, but also remember, too, as a government, we have built up substantial substantial sure. reserves. So we've got, you know, 
well in excess. We, the law requires us to have 90 days of cash mm-hmm. in reserves for that purpose. That's so what right. that does is that it builds resilience in government's finances and in the country's ability to weather an economic downturn. And so, again, yes, you've got these reserves and you have the flexibility to, if you do need to, go into the market and borrow money. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do that rather than than tax your people and take money out of your economy because that's not what you want to do when yeah. you're trying to generate economic growth. You want to put more money into the hands of your uh, of your private sector to get that engine started. Oh, for sure. There, there are... There, are, there was a CFA investment forum a couple of weeks ago, and we had the um, former CFO of Enron on there, and yes. he was well known for off-balance sheet accounting sure. and tricks like that. Uh, and most governments have these situations where there are things on their balance sheet and also things off their balance sheet. Now, in Cayman's case, you, in most governments' case, you have pension liabilities and you have healthcare liabilities. Mm-hmm. And from my research, the pension actually liabilities, we actually have a pension surplus in the, in the public sector. Right which is, seem, seems quite extraordinary in many respects that we, we're one of the only places in the world that actually has a surplus, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's just extraordinary that we've managed to be different to everyone else in the world. So that's, that's good credit. But we do have unfunded liabilities in the healthcare side sure. of things. And that's something that I think is worth being aware of as, as citizens of this country. And I think they're about, around about $1.85 billion, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, the last report we had was, I think, $1.6 that Those area. are big numbers. So that's, that's potentially about 50% of our GDP. So if you add that in terms of the debt that we currently have, we still have actual debt in terms of the, the Huge government. obligations. And so that, that perhaps goes to part of your argument as to why you want to pay down the on-balance sheet debt, because we still have these other th- matters Absolutely. that we still need to fund. Absolutely. So, but then people who are living and retiring, how do, how do you reassure them that those sort of things aren't going to be problems in the future and higher taxes and such like? You do the things we're doing right now, and that is keep it always running a surplus budget, mm-hmm. setting by proper reserves to make sure that when the time comes to pay those obligations, pay those claims, when people do get sick, and we, that you, can, can, you have the, the money there to be able to do it. We have always historically, and I think, it's very difficult to find a country that has those kind of reserves set aside. They pay for them out of, of, of current revenue. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be able for us to say we could set aside, um, you know, funding, resources to, uh, to you know, pay down those obligations as and when they arrive. The challenge you face here is that you're, t- again, taking reserve, you know, resources out of government coffers, yeah. that you're having them sit there for probably 25, 30 years. Um, That's sort of like the Norwegian approach, which is what they did with their oil revenue, put some of it into a sovereign fund to help pay for things in the future when times aren't so good. So potentially that's an avenue for for us to think about. It certainly is. Um, And, you know, at the moment, we we far exceed the 90-day requirement that that, uh, the law requires. It's it's well, well in excess of that. Well, we're running a little bit low on time, so I'll give you kind of a last chance. No new borrowing. And no raising of fees. What are the priorities for the next year and the next two years? Um, I would say at the top right now, infrastructure development at ro- on roads. Um, we've got to come to grips with it. Mm-hmm. Education continues to be a, a, a key priority. Those would be the two big areas. Um, no new taxes, you're right. No new borrowings, except... Oh. That the the um the the bond matures at the end uh, 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 in three weeks time actually. And are we going to be refinancing that or we, actually? There's a portion it? that will be refinanced. We are paying down about 
a, substan- a substantial portion of it. But that's of not it. a new bond. That's just refinancing. Of no, we're just refinancing okay. a, a, a yeah. bit of it. And you know, it, it's unfortunate that you know when we took out that bond, we were right in the midst yeah. of going into mm-hmm. the recession, and government didn't have the resources <coughs> to set aside the sinking fund. Mm-hmm. So this is where we find ourselves that we have to refinance a portion of it. Probably, <coughs> excuse me, refinancing right it lower. I expect that the right. rates will be substantially lower than what we are because, I mean, we've refi- we did that at 6%. So I think, yeah. you know, it's going to, I th- I'm expecting it to be substantially which is, lower. Which, yeah. which is good for the good for government and the economy. Well, I think we had, I, I had a list of about seven or eight questions I wanted to get through, and I think we're on question two, okay. and we are already out of time. So if we can beg you to come back perhaps in a few months' time and we'll re- 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 rejoin this conversation and talk a little bit more about the economy. But it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed being here. It's been great conversation with you and sharing my thoughts, ideas as well. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to come back any time. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Minister. And that is Money Sense for today. Please do tune in again in two weeks' time. And remember, you can catch um, highlights, or no, actually not highlights, the actual show on our website, as well as tweet us at Money Sense Radio with any questions, topics, or observations you have for us. Thank you and goodbye. 